think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what do you think? It's showtime. Welcome back to another episode of Showtime, Birdman Hand Rub. I'm your host, Jason Madison. Joined as always by my co-hosts, Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What up, y'all? Yep. Yo, B is recovered from her Grammy weekend and oh. hibernating for 24 to 36 hours afterwards. Yeah, I, I, I'm not recovered. I'm not. I'm just blessed to have a voice right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one hell of a weekend, but I'm happy to be here. Happy to watch Showtime. I watched it, you know, today as we're the day that we're recording this, which is not Sunday night. Took me a minute, y'all. Yeah, we'll leave the rest mysterious. We'll let you figure out what day it is on your own but B's not telling <laughs> us it's taking her enough time to to gather her things and thoughts and we're ready mm-hmm. to talk about this show we'll leave the door open for her comments Ooh, <laughs> oh is. i like that hey yeah. <laughs> you know yeah nobody's getting fisted on this pod everybody can <laughs> say what Whoa. they want, <laughs> they want. <laughs> yeah what do you guys think so today's episode Pieces of a Man, directed by Tanya Hamilton. I wanted to look more into her and see what her work is all about, but I'll get to that later. Yeah, you got. I just, I just checked her out. Literally, she just seems to be one of your classic directors for hire in television. She's piling them up. She's got The Shy, Snowfall, The Deuce, Godfather of Harlem, all on the resume, and now, Winning Time. Nice little resume, girl. I know that's right. Yeah, shout out to to the black women directors. Um, yeah, shout out. To let her. me let me ask you, Jay, as a director, would mm-hmm. you rather go the Tanya route and jump from show to show, come in, do your episode, do your couple weeks, and then on to the next? Would you rather have your own show that you're working on from front to back, or would you rather make a movie? Hmm. Mm. Good question. You know. I think uh, the the movie thing is the most, like, the biggest dream for most creatives and, you know, filmmakers. Everybody wants to do that. But I think on a realistic tip, like, I think the best success and creativity combo is having your own show. And so I'll probably really want that, like, if I had to pick between three. Getting on a bunch of shows is dope, though. You know what I'm saying? Being able to flex that and be like, yo, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. That's hard as hell. So I'm not knocking that. And you get to work with so many different people. Yeah, like, I can't knock that at all. But also, like, having your own show on some, like, kind of like Issa Rae or, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a bunch of examples. Like, you get to cast. You get to pick actors that you want to work with. I mean, even, like, Atlanta, right? We talk about Atlanta. Uh, Donald Glover and his brother, you know, work on that show. And so uh, I think that's probably a dope as hell experience. Yeah, Hiro Mirai has really elevated that to the highest form because he's Mm -hmm. so involved in the creative process of Atlanta, but then he's also been able to go out there and do Station Eleven, do Barry, do other TV shows. So he's kind of got one foot in both camps there where he's shepherding a show the entire way, but he also gets to be the mercenary. You know, just come in and rip shit up. Yeah, and I think when you're doing a show also versus a movie, like the movie is real hit or miss. You could get pigeonholed even if you win. 
and do a good movie, people just say, oh, you only make this type of movie and they won't let you kind of jump around. You know, I feel like when you do a show or you do multiple shows, you kind of leave yourself more opportunity and more room to do more creative stuff for people to give you that option. Right. But yeah. So what, what are we going to talk about Atlanta first or <laughs> now that we're talking about it? Are we gonna jump into? Yeah, I did kind of <laughs> leave that that transition out there, I dangled that yeah. in case yeah. somebody wanted to pick it up or slam it home like an alley oop. So I think we can go pretty much any direction. But yeah. the the third episode of Atlanta was a riot. I yeah. we were five minutes into that thing. I was laughing so hard. There, the first two episodes are great. Don't get me wrong. I really yeah. enjoyed both of them. But this was. This felt like peak Atlanta to me. Just yeah, this comedy, is the show again. The yeah. social commentary, yeah. all of it. It was all clicking in this one. Yeah, there was some stuff that I still feel like they kind of go to these unnecessary weird zones where they kind of take it just, I don't know, just like the, the whole Asian lady and the white guy with the... Right. I, that was like, mm, it wasn't working for me as well as like, the black kid artist storyline, which I thought was great, you know, like the way they played that whole thing was like excellent, and and I and the Alfred and Fernando thing was dope too, like that was the great. Nando Nando, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> shout out to Nando Vila, uh, yeah. Shouts to our our compadre yeah, from Machiavellian fucks and woke bros, Nando. He's my Nando Nando. Yeah, That's the guy. He's the real Nando. <laughs> My favorite part of the episode was the beginning. I mean, I thought that was an amazing piece of production design and mm -hmm. a great reveal. I mean, how often do you get a comedic set reveal? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was perfect because they walked basically from in the, the fucking front crack house <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in what, what country are they in now? Is that London? That was that was England, yes. England, uh, yeah. London, England, somewhere out there. Somewhere in yeah, somewhere in, in England. Then into the back, it's like a billionaire's secret pad was fire. That was dope. Yeah, that was just that was just financial social commentary at its finest, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. The <laughs> how does the billionaire wanna be found? Like hiding underneath poverty. Like mm -hmm. that's that's they were essentially exploiting it, you know, and like and that. like what yeah. you said, Jay, like while there were some storylines that were more on point than others, the whole thing was a temperature reading of the culture. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the my my white people once again showing up tremendously with the way they crucified another person of color. For yeah. nothing, that was great. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, what do we even? Was his name TJ? What's this dude's name? The Ooh, artist? Socks. Oh. Socks. Oh. Oh, oh no. Guy. We'll get to my boy Socks. Socks. Yeah. We'll get to my boy Socks' hairline that, that yeah. made Lakeith Stanfield stop at his tracks. Yeah. But no, I was talking about our roller skating artist friend taking pictures of old men with their dicks out in Supreme <laughs> yeah. shirts. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'll get to the dicks out conversation <laughs> again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's addressed in winning time as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, that whole setup was great, right? With the billionaire wanting to bankroll his his artistic uh, art house, his DD-172, <laughs> that he wants to have all his friends pull up and just do drugs and do whatever the fuck they feel like, basically. And uh, the the white billionaire guy is just like, yeah, I'm with it. And Earn is like low-key hating at first. He has some hate in his blood, like, you know? But would you call it hate? It's kind of like this guy is, he's like really not an artist. He's kind of like bullshitting around. And he, he has this guy to like, that wants to invest in this trash ass career. It's like you have a rapper who is horrible, but he has someone with all the money in the world to back him and push him out there. Like, it's kind of like, no, like, why would I be with that? But at the same time, I mean, they made a great point. It's like, you got these kids on social media, they're scamming their way to the top and they have people just funneling money into whatever they want to do. So why can't black people get into that same uh, right. scam, if you want to call it? Right, and that's how I felt. It was basically how Alfred 
felt like, who are you to feign integrity <laughs> at this <Right. laughs> situation? You know what I'm saying? You better be trying to hit this lick too. <laughs> like, yeah, because right. Earn, you know, has a little bit of money now. He's a little more successful. We've we've mm-hmm. jumped out of the time when Earn couldn't afford a dinner date with Van, and mm-hmm. now he's you know given Alfred Paperboy twenty thousand dollars to throw in the air. But he's identifying more with the white dude who. <laughs> yeah. And he's thinking about how he owes a little bit more allegiance to this guy and protecting his money. And Alfred's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, exactly. And the way he, he way he concludes it by taking a generous cut yep. <laughs> was just the game. Like, that's the business. If this yeah. dude wants to throw money at it, that's his fucking problem. Exactly. I, s- I see that a lot here in Vegas. Like, you have someone that's just a little bit talented. They have a little bit of a buzz going and they'll meet like this millionaire or billionaire who just wants to hang out and be around this creative person mm-hmm. and they'll give them whatever they want just to yeah. hang out and be friends with this person. It's so weird, but at the same time, yo, get your money. I, I mean, but that's literally every music business <laughs> interaction. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of all distills down to that in a way, like to me at least, you know, like, I mean, Lil Wayne is not Birdman's son. Like, he's just a nigga with money who (laughs) saw a nigga with talent. Like, that's all it is. And he ended up getting over it. But every Suge and fucking Tupac or Dr. Dre or Pick Your Poison, like, this all, it's it's all identical. Like, this is the the symbiotic relationship that the music business is formed around. Unfortunately, there are some ones that look really ugly, you know, obviously when the (laughs) artist is not that talented. But again, also... Who has earned to be the arbiter of who has talent and who doesn't and what's right. gonna pop and what's not? Like, nigga, you exactly. don't know shit. <laughs> like, Earn, get Earn in where might you already fit be in. washed. He might already <laughs> yeah, have exactly. lost his, his finger on the pulse of what's going on in the culture. Maybe my man right. in the roller skates, he's got it going on. Maybe he's the next big thing. We don't know. We just don't. Who says he's not Travis Scott in five years? Like, he very well, very well could be. You know what I'm saying? So maybe if you give him a couple like, million, he'll come up with some good stuff. You know, it's an infallible argument. Yo, the yep. conversation that Earn is having with the billionaire in the hallway, and he keeps looking over, and the guy, the artist, is in his skates, and he keeps moving like closer and closer. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so I just great. gotta, I just gotta check to see if Doja Cat, because I heard she's doing something similar. similar. So yeah. I just want to make sure that we're not stepping on that. I'll get yeah. back to you. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, that was incredible. Like perfect writing. <laughs> I have a question. When they yeah. first got to the house and Vanessa Van, she's looking at the art. Did she pocket something? Did yeah. she put something in her pocket? Okay. Yeah, she has it at All the right. end of the episode when she's at the uh, at the restaurant oh eating God. by herself. Yeah, she has it on the on the table right in front of her. It's like one of those little like kind of phallic statues that he had up there. God. But yeah, Van is Van is wiling a little bit here. Uh, B, I want to check in with you as our as our mom correspondent. When mom's <laughs> on vacation. Is this is this what it's like when you get out of town? <laughs> Are you stealing oh. shit? Are you shoving people in pools? Are you eating meals by yourself and dodging calls? Is that what it's like? Right. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> it. I, I want to get away from everything. I go out the country and wild out. Yeah, that's what I do. I go. My 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 spot is Tulum. I like to go to Mexico mm. and just like I remember. Uh, I went to Tulum for my birthday by myself. It's my first time going to Mexico solo. I rent a bike and I'm just riding around town. I took a video and I sent it to my dad. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Go back to your hotel. Like, you just can't be out by yourself just biking it. Like, please go somewhere safe. But I'm like, what? what? He's just being I a get, dad. I get right? Van. Like, sometimes you just have those moments where you just want to, you just need some alone time. You just want to do something different and out of the norm. Because once you have a child, from that point on, you're just considered somebody's mom. Like you kind of lose your identity. You want to get back to yourself and do something fun and and feel like that the pre mom that you were before. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Zazie Beats is is embodying that pretty well here. I've I've loving just having her along with this nonsensical Euro trip we're on. But let's quickly before we close out Atlanta, we got to talk about Nando himself and his story about 
fucking a ghost. <laughs> fucking a ghost so he could welch on a bat? What a just terrible scumbag. And then, yeah, and then the way that, like, when Alfred wins, everybody just slowly clears out. What was up with the rest of those guys? You know, I would assume that the guy with the 10-gallon hat would have some t- integrity, but Jesus, I mean, all of them were just scumbags. Yeah, they're just Nando's lackeys. <laughs> yeah, and so Yo, it was like. When the dealer stood up and, like, like quickly got up out of there, I was like, okay, this is creepy. I almost thought for a second it was going to get violent. Like the way that they cleared out. Yeah. Right. You know? No, it seemed like it. But then Alfred is the one who gets violent when he somehow finds a chainsaw. Finds this mysterious chainsaw. <laughs> I love that, though. You know, we've got our second chainsaw also in the show in about three weeks. Um, but, yeah, he found a chainsaw and he was cutting down that uh, mysterious tree, which was another great joke. when he asked, Nando asked him if he wanted to. Uh, did he like trees? Do you like trees? Mm-hmm. trees yeah. Of course. Yep. Everyone's yeah. brain is like, weed, of course. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. And they go and stand outside, and Alfred's ready to light up, and he's like, not in front of the trees, not no, by you the can't, trees. You can't, actually can't smoke in front of the tree. Later, later, Van smokes in front of the tree. No one, no one said shit to her, which I thought yeah. was interesting as well. But, but then, of course, Alfred takes it, takes it over the line there. But, yeah. I mean, and then we meet our guy Socks with the unfortunate <laughs> hairline and – he was just, he was just touring with, I forget somebody else. Rihanna. Rihanna, that's right, Rihanna. So it seems like he might be joining the crew for a little while here. So we'll see what's up with Socks, who just <laughs> ended up in the car at the end of the night. <laughs> like, was he the Uber driver, or like, how did he just? Did they pick, just jump in the wrong? Earn calls, car service. And, oh yeah, how fast can you get here? And they all take off, run out, and this guy, Socks, is in the driver's seat. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Well, wait, but they're in Europe. Was that? No, the that wasn't the driver's seat. seat. That, they're in England, he was so in that the was the passenger. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. yeah. right, right, right. Okay, that makes. <laughs> but yeah, you know did, what? That was did. my that was my American brain mm-hmm. thinking yeah. that I wasn't yeah. thinking about the fact that they're yeah in a whole drive on the other side. Time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sense. they say they say a car for four, and then. You know, I'm there wondering where Van's at because I didn't yeah. see her run out. And then that's the that's the big reveal. They got yeah. socks to go. And Alfred got a shit ton of Nandos. <laughs> I love that moment at the end, bro. Like where they all hop in and they all laugh. And you realize like they're all having like a homie, but like a black moment. And then That's the a white black dude, moment. They were having oh. a black ass moment right there. And then the white dude popped up. It was perfect because there was no other way to explain that feeling. And then he just came in and was like, all right, we got to stop having this black moment. <laughs> that was yeah. great. That reminded me of an uh, episode of Insecure when Molly and Issa get held up by an old college friend. Mm-hmm. And they get into the car yep. after getting robbed and just like burst into laughter. Cause what else mm-hmm. can you do at that point? Just like, let's laugh it off. But mm-hmm. that was so, that was the blackest moment. I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Now, the show, this was the best episode of the season by far. By far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was, you know, one, one night at a party, the weirdest, craziest party you could possibly go to. Darius, we don't really need to talk about him too much. He was just witness to the whole <laughs> crucifixion of that of that poor woman <laughs> who was who was engaged to the billionaire who's sponsoring our rollerblading artist friend. So yeah. you know, that dude's life going up in shambles real quick. <laughs> but person whose life is not in shambles. Cap. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Formerly Lou Alcinder. Um. Yes, and so we st- we get we get the Kareem episode. We've been waiting for more Kareem. He's been a man of few words so far, and this is the episode that that digs into him a little bit more. And we start with what threw me off at first: having a different actor play young Kareem, young Lou. But yeah. I get it because he is supposed to be in high school. When we see these scenes, mm-hmm. I didn't understand totally why we couldn't just have the same guy. But all right, it, it worked because they went back to it, I would say. It was kind of weird, though, when they did the naming thing, because he was in college. He was Lou Alcindor. And even in the NBA, he was Lou Alcindor. So 
it was kind of weird that at the beginning of the episode when he's changing his name that he's the young man and i was like well that's kind of strange because he would have still looked a lot like himself when he did that so yeah that was i mean it's television and obviously they do things for dramatic effect but that kind of threw me a little bit but it was a good scene um and i felt like throughout the the whole episode and you know through the whole season they've been really respectful of who kareem is and his his faith and you know all of that um and and gave it the respect that it deserves and you know they spent a lot of time on it this episode talking about who he is and how he came to have his beliefs and just more inside of his head and then obviously we see him play for the first time really and we get our first <laughs> laker game <laughs> this episode yeah yeah let's it's talk about that day. b yeah. what did you think what did you think of the actual regular season gameplay footage we got i wasn't mad at it at all it really made me sit up out of my seat i was pretty impressed i wanted to know what <laughs> jason thought about quincy isaiah as magic johnson out there running and gunning what did you think because i know you kind of critiqued his his no yeah. look pass in training right. camp no i mean i think he looked a lot better this episode um i okay. think it, yeah i think um yeah, his his on court portrayal of Magic is a lot better. He has a lot of his mannerisms. Um, I, I think you know him and uh, John C. Riley are really both great in their roles, and I think this was probably one of the stronger Magic episodes as well. Like just in his performance of Magic. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty impressed. Um, even the guy who's playing Kareem is he's doing a fantastic job. I'm just really happy that we're getting more of him on screen and more dialogue and more interaction with him and the and the rest of his teammates. But seeing him and Magic together and they're so like different in their personalities. He's so annoyed with Magic this entire episode, but to see it come to a boil how it did, I was really impressed at these guys that I've I've never seen before give this awesome performance and filling enormous shoes while yeah. they're doing that exactly literally like, figuratively all of the above <laughs> all yeah the above. enormous shoes and um i really enjoyed how we were finally introduced to um yeah wood name yes spencer we got spencer, spencer haywood. Haywood. haywood yeah which is you know wood wood harris being yeah. wood harris yes yeah. perfect name i'm so glad that we got him but you know, with, with all of these guys playing NBA players who are supposed to be super tall, I'm not sure if you guys peeped uh, when they were walking into the locker room. You can see Wood Harris' uh, pretty high-platform sneakers. Oh, his lips. nice. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I didn't peep that. It's like, no, That's I peeped that. I peeped No, I, I'm looking at the eye lines all the time, and yeah. it just mm -hmm. kind of scrambles my brain if I think about it too hard, you know, <laughs> right. like how tall they're supposed to be and how tall they are and where the camera angles at and all that stuff. Yeah. So I kind of just like, all right, I get as long as I don't concentrate on it and as long as yeah. it doesn't distract me, I'm good with it. Like we can rock right. with that. But we do have to talk about how Wood Harris in his fifties is playing a grizzly 30 year old vet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he did an amazing job, Incredible. but it's just kind of, like I wonder I wonder why that is, you know? I wonder what it is like Spencer Haywood must have a pretty important upcoming arc <laughs> if he's if they need like if they couldn't just go with, you know, an unknown right. like most of the other basketball players are, you know? I mean, but it's HBO and you know, Wood Harris has that the HBO legacy. That's true. <laughs> right. That's I true. Think, Maybe yeah. he just made the call and said, I want to play Spencer Haywood. You know, maybe that was his decision. Right. Maybe. But I think I think the fact that he's friends with Kareem is a pretty important role, you know, and they show that in the show. And I think they wanted to pick somebody who has a certain weight to them as an actor to kind of, you know, ground that relationship. That was like one of my favorite scenes in the episode that was full of great scenes is when they're walking and talking and smoking weed, smoking, smoking trees. Weed, with yeah. the trees. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. Yes. We're allowed to smoke trees among these trees. And <laughs> basically they're talking about, you know, how they don't fuck with the man. And Kareem has somebody to relate to. And it's interesting to see because the whole time you're like, Kareem 
kind of exists as this island throughout the show, right? Even in his own family, you know, you see we see him with his dad and all that. You know, even when he's a having his name changed, like not only is he an island unto himself, but also the people who look up to him kind of treat him as this one of one figure to be kind of left alone to, you know, live his life amongst the trees kind of, you know. Right. And and so to see him with Spencer and him talking about, hey, man, like, nah, I really respect what you did, you know, taking a black man, taking that fight all the way up to the Supreme Court. You know, that was really powerful and important for what, you know, what our movement and everything that we're doing is about. So Jason, I, Jason, yeah. what you got for us as far as Spencer Haywood's backstory? I know you like <laughs> to educate our listeners on. I didn't I didn't actually do it, do enough research on his backstory. But oh, but specifically about the uh, the case that he had against the NBA. Oh shit! <laughs> this is an interesting fact. Um, as I'm trying to read what he did in the NBA, it says during the late 1970s, Haywood became addicted to cocaine. <laughs> so that's an interesting spoiler alert, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting factoid that they they threw in there. So, yeah, so basically it says uh, Haywood just decided to turn pro after his sophomore year. He was at the University of Detroit, but the NBA basically prohibit, prohibited that. And at the time, you had to be a part of your graduating class or, you know, be of that age. And he basically sued the league in order to create what, you know, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and a lot of other stars ended up taking advantage of coming out of college early or, you know, coming straight out of high school. And, yeah, so he was the first person to do that, basically. And it turns out that suing the NBA before you get into the NBA is not going to make the NBA <laughs> too fond of you. Right. So that's why he's this journeyman and he's on his fifth team, as he was talking about. But, yes, he's both a vet on the court and he's somebody that Kareem respects off the court because yes. Kareem – is very focused on not just being an athlete. That's one thing they really hammered home with this episode is he's at this point in his career where he's done it all. Five-time MVP, champion. He's not motivated just by basketball anymore. It is a little bit empty to him. And so he's seeking to do more with his influence, but also a spark is lit by a young... <laughs> a young buck. A young troublemaking guard <laughs> from Michigan. <laughs> so if I had to name this episode anything, if I had to title it, I would call it God is Perfect. Because this episode talks a lot about God and a lot about perfection. And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those two things rang in my head as I rewatched this episode. At the beginning of the episode when they're doing the naming ceremony for Kareem, one of the lines that the guy said... I don't know his, his role in the as a Muslim, but he said, your, answers, your ancestors were slaves to men. From this day on, you are a slave to God. And so that was kind of like a heavy <laughs> crown to put on Kareem as he's getting his name changed. And he walks around with that energy, you know, through, throughout the rest of his life, basically. Right. Um, and then Jerry Buss, he's searching for perfection. Yeah. You know, all throughout the episode, he's trying to build up the form and, you know, build up this team and, and everybody around him and make it perfect for the opening night. And it's and nothing's good. <laughs> nothing's good enough for him until, you know, he's very adamant about people changing what he has, like the awning for the forum club. is not red enough. The mm -hmm. dancers aren't hot enough. They're stiff and they're not moving the way that he needs them to move. Uh, the bar isn't flushed wherever they open Yo, the bar for okay. the bartenders. I got to talk about that. <laughs> I got to stop you right there, B. You, you took me right to where I needed to go. That mm -hmm. was the most realistic rich guy looking at their construction project interpretation I've ever seen. I have been in the room when my old boss did shit like that where you you walk into something that's in progress and you just you find one spot and you're like well what the fuck is this why isn't this like this we talked about this we've never talked about it but this is supposed to be this way and this is unacceptable and then when he throws a little tantrum after and he's slamming it over and over, oh my god yeah i was just i was 
I was taken back to a time in my life when I had to deal with stuff like that. It, it made my skin crawl. I was triggered. Exactly, B. And, you know, man, it was hard to hard to move on, but we're going to find a way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And even then he says God is in the details when he's talking to Claire before he tells her to put some pepper on the ball because <laughs> he, <laughs> he wants the Fantasia sound system in the forum club. And Claire got it done, baby. Hey. She probably had to drop a bag off at the permit office, but she got that cleared and she got it all set. And apparently they opened without a hitch, so seemed to go pretty well. Yeah, dude. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. You ever have that moment where you're like, damn, I'm hungry, but I don't want to go out to eat. It is way too expensive, and I don't know what to make because I'm not really into cooking. Guess what? It's real easy. It's real simple. I got a solution for you. HelloFresh. They deliver They deliver pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. You skip the trip to the grocery store, save you the wait in the long lines, and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. Also, 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. Let me say that again. 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. It's money back in your pocket. All right? So, to review, A, great food, B, less expensive, C, less expensive than even if you went grocery shopping yourself. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. 30 minutes or less. I'm talking about right now, I'm recording this at noon. By 12.30, lunch is served and it's fire. Come on now. You know I did it. I'm not just, I'm, I don't do this thing while I read the ad. Like, oh, what do you want me to talk about? Uh, I'll, I'll say whatever. I got to live it. I got to experience it. And I did. I had the beef tenderloin and cheese fondue. Fire. Fire. I've got leftovers in the fridge right now that I'm about to destroy. That's right. Those 30 minutes that I was going to take to make a meal, I lied. Not making a meal right now. Eat my leftovers. But guess what? Tonight, dinner, we back at it. So make sure you're doing your due diligence. Make sure you're getting your HelloFresh living right. Save you time. Save you money. Make sure everybody going crazy in the house. Go to HelloFresh.com slash BOMB16 and use code BOM16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's right. It's HelloFresh.com slash BOM16. Use code BOM16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit. 
The other thing I want to point out <laughs> that made me laugh was Kareem likes orange juice from Concentrate. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Yo, I was so, so disappointed. What do, what do we make with this? What is he? Was it all a trick? Was he waiting for Magic to bring him Minute Maid? Is that what he wanted? Yeah. I got a lot of questions. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, Maze, you were so right about when Jason asked, like, well, what newspaper would he want to see? He's yeah. reading the New York Times. There it yeah. is, like, baby. You're, you're right, Bingo. Maze. <laughs> Power Memorial High School, the pride and joy of New York City high school basketball. There's only one paper where he comes from. And shout out to uh, the the article on the front page. Mm -hmm. uh, Reagan is the MAGA OG. That's right. <laughs> That's right. They got a lot of little nuggets like that in the show. I love it. I love that the, that they point out that Inglewood High is the training facility for the Lakers. And in that in that shot when uh, McKinney is uh, looking in his book at the players' names uh, next to Wilkes, it says best years behind him. <laughs> it says mm -hmm. checked out next to Adrian Dantley with yep. a line through his name. Yeah. His little one, his one line scouting report for each player was was pretty pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> this yeah, this show had a lot. This episode had a lot of details. It was really just full from top to bottom. There was the moment where Pat Riley is getting ready, and you see him look in the mirror. And he starts thinking about slicking that hair back. And we get the flashback to my mm -hmm. friend Ian as his dad. Yeah, and right. then he kind of <laughs> yeah. shakes it off. And he's like, not yet. Not <laughs> just yet. I'm wearing a really <laughs> shitty suit tonight instead. This thing that is loud idiot. ass yellow suit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You that think Chick bought him that suit or what? I don't know. <laughs> Chick was definitely trying to sabotage Pat. Man, they really... Put my boy Chick in a terrible light in this show, man. I just can't get over it. Really? Yeah, I like, think it's really good. I like. I'm I, like when people have a little bit of dive. Up, uh, oh, sorry, you're holding up the fist. I'll shut yes. up. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to I have to explain what it means first. But yes, it means when I hold this up, you stop talking. That's what that means. Maybe we should adopt that for this podcast. You know, right. we can all we can all hold up the fist when we want to hog the Thanks, mic. Thanks, Chick. Thanks, Chick. Thank oh, you, Chick. Man. Thanks for teaching us your ways. I wish we could have saw some more of uh, Pat's pointers or Chick's checklists. <laughs> that looked really entertaining. Hey, man, um, we got a whole rest of the season. Maybe it'll come back, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, no, this episode was just packed with to the gills with fun little nuggets. We should, got we talk about, should we talk about Wood Harris's dick? Let's go. Should, should we talk about Spencer Haywood and, and the butt double that we got that's not yeah, Wood uh Harris? <laughs> A you a body double. I was like, yo, whoever. Look, I I need to look at the casting and say, whose body is that? It Ooh, looks who's good. Doing stunt asses for winning time. <laughs> well, I, I mean, need to be it a looks, casting director. It looks like they're proving my point. I mean, I hate to be the guy on this take, but they don't want to show black dicks on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> They went like all the way up to the edge of the cliff. We'll but show hey, you. A, we'll show you a butt Jason, and a and a little bit of a tip from the back. Jason, there's there's more to the cliff than the fucking edge. Okay. I'm just saying. Good. Uh, good words just, by Frank. Yeah, it was. Thanks. Shout out Frank Mariani. Yeah, you know we we've heard of colorblind casting, but let's get some colorblind nudity up in this piece. All right, HBO. <laughs> So we I'm just saying. have a little less discrimination when it comes to the penis department. I've seen so many white dicks in the last <laughs> month on your channel. Step it Listen, up. I've watched Game of Thrones for eight seasons, and all they showed me was white dicks and, do you know what I'm saying, and every fucking brothel in Westeros. Like, Yo, I like this. This should be our <laughs> this should be our slant. I think this is how this podcast gets big. Is we, we crusade for dick equality on HBO. This you know is it. Saying? This is our moment, you know? <laughs> I agree. Oh man. So the rumor was the rumor is is that Spencer Haywood circumcised himself. And so they choose Cooper. Oh, they Michael choose Cooper, Cooper. Yep. to go and figure out if the if the rumor is true. So Take he's walking peek. up 
Yeah, he's walking up to him while he's, you know, taking a piss at the urinal. And he just can't do it. He chickens out. And so uh, Spencer Haywood turns around and is like, oh, y'all want to see what's up? Let me. <laughs> like, yeah, hell yeah, I did it. Where I'm from, you guys went to the hospital. I did that shit myself. And this whole monologue was just, it was incredible. Michael Cooper's just like, oh my God, it's swinging. Like, <laughs> he was yeah. so fixated on watching his, like, everyone just like, Oh my God, the room is true. This guy is a nut. Yeah, he compared it to a copperhead. That's the only thing that I had written down. Oh. But yeah, no, that was pretty, it was a pretty funny scene uh, because they also were talking about uh, somebody's lucky jock, which the guy's talking about jock straps. Yep. Is very, mm-hmm. very Man. 80s. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not, uh, that's not carrying over today's athletes, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something about, uh, Something about his just absolute pride in what he had done really conveyed a lot for his character. I just fantastic addition, man. They just keep bringing people in week after week. Different actors get to come in and and chew up the scenery a little bit. Now we got yeah. Wood Harris. He's in the show. It's dope. I love it. Love yeah. it. Anytime, anytime I can see Wood Harris on TV, it's a great show. Same. We got we got our obligatory Stevie Wonder joke. People can always find a good Stevie Wonder joke. <laughs> yeah. Jeannie went and recruited Paula Abdul after we had some poor uh, can-can dancing at the <laughs> the dance theater by Bernice and her troupe. And Paula Abdul is more than excited to come choreograph for the bus family and be the first official Laker girl. And uh, straight that up. Poster, straight up. <laughs> now tell me now. So that's uh, that's another example of something that I just didn't know, you know. Oh, you didn't know that Paula Abdul was a, was no, a Laker girl originally. Never yeah, knew yeah. that. I mean, I knew I knew she was a choreographer for other people mm-hmm. before she had her own little career, but I never knew that it started all the way back at the inception of the Laker girls. I like the way they did that. They bent the truth a little bit, right? Because she wasn't she wasn't hired as the choreographer. She was mm-hmm. one of the first Laker girls, and then quickly became the choreographer. But yeah. you know. Like I said before on this podcast, I have no issue with bending the truth a little bit to make it fit your narrative a bit more, be a little bit more dramatic. What's up, B? Hold up the phone. However, uh, yeah, <laughs> however, um, so this is October 79, and we have our first Lakers game, and uh, Joe Jellybean Bryan is playing for the San Diego Clippers. Mm-hmm. I personally took an issue with how they decided to insert Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant into this show. So Kobe was born in 78. So if like the actor, the the child actor, yeah, probably like a one-year-old toddler, but to be like, oh, congratulations to, you know, like is Chick Mm -hmm. gonna be talking, you know, giving congratulations to an opposing player and his son being in the crowd? We could have mixed that in a different way, but I get it. Shout out to Kobe and the family. But, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, I feel you. They wanted to slide it in there, and it was convenient because it was that game that they played him. So it was kind of like an easy, like a layup for them, if you will. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I, I, I feel you because it, it, it was kind of oddly mm. squoze in there. Um, Squoze, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jasonisms. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Kareem's uh, – OJ was not. Um, it was not. <laughs> it was not. Uh, may, I, and I was also thinking, like, maybe he just likes that because it was like his woman made him that. I don't know. I'm still like, like miffed a little bit about the OJ, honestly. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. I can see that it's bothering you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but we get but, to the Laker games, right? Mm-hmm. We get to our first yeah. Laker game. They're on the road against the San Diego Clippers, mm-hmm. not. The Los Angeles Clippers quite yet, and they are not quite yet owned by the aforementioned Donald Sterling, who was in the <laughs> first episode um, that's later to come. But the Lakers come out. Well, Magic is hyped. Well, did we did we get the scene where Magic talks to Kareem? Yeah, we should we should mention that we get we get Jack Tracy Letts, Jack McKinney coming to yeah. Magic and basically. Lying to him. Hoisting his responsibilities as coach onto <laughs> his rookie point guard and saying, right. can you get this guy to do something? Because I'm scared to do it. And Magic 
you know, steps up and, and talks to Kareem several times throughout the episode, and they eventually have their little breakthrough. But, yes, going into this first game, they are definitely not all on the same page. Kareem is still kind of isolated. But we do have the huge moment at the end where Coach draws up a play. Magic is inbounding the ball, and he completely disregards what Coach asked him to do because he's asking in the huddle, what about Cap? He just throws it to Kareem. Kareem turns around, sky hook, game winner. It's over. Yep. And then he's hugging him afterwards, and Kareem's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get the <laughs> fuck off me, one. boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're celebrating like you just won the chip. That was one of those God is perfect moments for me because they could have lost that game. You know, they're announcing it as, as a near embarrassment for the Lakers at that point. And, yeah, the coach, thinking that he knows everything, draws up this play after he has this conversation with Kareem, which was great. That was another one of my favorite moments of the episode, right? They're walking down the hallway after halftime, and he's trying to talk to Kareem to get him to come together with the team. And Kareem's not having it. He's like, you know what? Listen, I've played this game. This is what's about to happen. Get the fuck out of my face. Yep, I'm going to have 30 and 10. <laughs> 10, yeah. Check your box and, score. <laughs> yeah, and the, the game is going to slow down in the fourth, and it's probably going to come down to me, basically. And yeah. so Jack tries to engineer this to not – go his way he basically pulls a Pete Carroll and doesn't give the doesn't want to give the ball to Marshawn at the one and Magic <laughs> being the genius that he is and you know that's the other thing too like when later in the episode when they get into the fight and Kareem is using all his big words Magic does not have to use his big words to like let him know that he understands what's going on and that he knows like how to handle himself and what to do in these situations. And it's such an interesting dynamic of, you know, two men who are great in their own rights and, you know, just they're going back and forth. But, yeah, Magic is like, yeah, fuck that play. I don't need to fucking run that shit. I know all I need to do is pass the ball to Kareem. He's going to make the shot. We're going to go home with a win. And that's what he did. And that's the story of the Lakers, you know? So for, for the sake of the show, how do you feel about they ha with them having Magic inbound the ball and get it to Kareem instead of, in real life, Ford getting it to Kareem? I mean, there's so many Kareem and Magic moments that I think they want to kind of key in on that and their relationship. And it's one of those things that I'm actually glad that they kind of take a liberty with that because you need to – in Kareem's words, comport the story and, <laughs> and make sure that it it takes shape and, and it gets across to the audience. And if you start adding extra ancillary players and things, then it's, it's not going to ring the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that I can do the full audit on what happened this game, what happened between these people. I do appreciate how they seem to be sticking to the important milestones. Yes. Like the Tark thing, like Paul Abdul, stuff like that. I love seeing that and then being like, really? And then it actually happened. Maybe not exactly that way. But I'm not I'm not getting the microscope out and I'm not doing that. You right. the way you structure a show like this is you you have points you need to hit and what you do in between those points that's up to you. That's whatever tells the best story. And like Jason said, I think this episode was about Kareem, but it was also about the beginning of the bond between Magic and Kareem. And I think that they did a good job conveying that. And um, No, you know, it's it's Kareem and Magic. Remember? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, we get, our little, we get our little buddy cop opening credits sequence with the two cars. That was great. That was so yeah, good. That was, awesome. yeah, that, was that was a really good effect. I really liked that a lot. What about you, B? You are are you doing the since you looked it up? Seems like you may be uh, doing a little bit of research here. I like for things to be as accurate as possible for, but for the sake of storytelling, I'm cool with it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jeannie. I've been really enjoying the Hadley Robinson performance. She's doing a lot with a little here. She's doing a lot in the background of some scenes, mm -hmm. and I kind of wish I knew how old she was i guess she's still in school right she's, she's like 21 college, yeah. so she's 
she's seeing so much and she's observing so much and she's really become the influential link between Claire and Jerry. And I think that that's been really well established by the show. But I just wanted to give her a little shout out for her performance. And I think she's, you know, in a very crowded cast with a lot of stars. She's somebody to watch. Yeah, she yeah, is. definitely. I like also how Claire, at the very beginning of the episode, she's on, on top of it as far as like her duties to make the forum pop and be this place where everyone is supposed to be. And she gives uh, security Maurice um, yeah. a thousand tickets to give to the scalper that he wants to fight so bad. But it's like, no, we need to fill these seats. And the the early fans who are getting these free tickets, they're gonna become customers. They're gonna become guests and patrons of this of this venue. So shout out to those who got to see the <laughs> the early moments of the forum from what it ended up turning into because they got a, a show. Yeah, and for sure. She did what she was supposed to do. Shout out to Claire. Shout out to Claire, man. Really giving back to the streets right there. You know, love that. <laughs> Let us see that. The Laker girl thing is very hard for my 2022 brain to appreciate the gravity of because I can imagine, or I can try to imagine, <laughs> that in the that in 1979. It was such a complete game changer and no one had ever done anything like that before in such a public way. That's that's something that I kind of wish I could see for the first time, you know, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. isn't quite landing with me. But I, I can try to imagine what the impact was like. Like as a dancer, like I've been a showgirl here in Vegas for years I don't know anything else. So I couldn't imagine right. like dancers coming out and skirts down to their ankles, going out with some pom-poms and sweaters. Like what, what is that? I'm used to seeing nudity and, you know, implied nudity. And these girls are coming out with the shorter skirts and the tank tops and they're looking like purple and gold disco balls. And it's, it's sexy, but like 79, 1980, this is the first time we're getting this. I wish they did a little bit more to show like like how they go back and, you know, go back into history and kind of do like a little backstory on it. Mm -hmm. I wish we could have gotten something like that with the Laker girls. Maybe it's coming, but I want to yeah. see more of that. Yeah, I feel like their kind of allusion to the Playboy bunnies and that kind of gives you a little bit of the idea of what it was like. You know, like that was the only other thing. And that was very like kind of hush hush adult, super adult, right. you know, thing, you know. And then for him yeah. to kind of bring the pg-13 version of that out into the world uh was revolutionary at the time i remember it being a thing when i was still young like people talking about the laker girls you know like obviously by the time the 90s mid 90s hit it was a, it was a little bit of a thing of the past but it was still like you know like the girls that were laker girls when i was in college like they were cool girls to hang out with. it was still like a cool thing you know even for 25 years after that I remember going to my first, uh, I went to a Clippers game when I was in high school. I went out to LA with my dad, we went to a game together and I was really excited to see their dancers. And I was mm. so underwhelmed because I just have this vision of like the Laker girls and the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. I just mm -hmm. have these, this vision of what NBA dancers are supposed to look like. And I was so underwhelmed, like here we are in mm. LA and it's kind of like a toned down like Disney version of the Laker girls. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because it's the Clippers. Like, do they <laughs> right. not want anyone to overshadow the Laker girl legacy or whatever? But yeah, I haven't seen anything like that really since every time I see anything about the Showtime Lakers. Right. Yeah, I mean, anything the Clippers do is... <laughs> yeah. Clips going clip. We know that. But yeah. <laughs> we, also got the, we also got the announcer, the PA announcer. Yo! Laker girls. <laughs> that was classic. I was waiting yeah. for that. But I do imagine that it is it's kinda like Marty and McFly coming out and playing Chuck Berry for the enchantment under the sea dance, you know? Like they, they are not ready for it. And <laughs> but their kids are gonna love it, right? That's mm -hmm. the that's the story there. Um I think I think the only thing left to talk about really is our is our guy Jack. Yeah. Jack man. McKinney. So, Jack 
things he's really nervous to how things are gonna go you know we we got his conversation with cranny his yeah. wife cranny about you know this is the this is the real test this is it this is the keys to the lamborghini like if this if it doesn't work this time like it's on me and it's working we get we get a little game montage and i like the way they did this this gave me a good feel Vibration. for how they're gonna treat the regular season you know just like a clip here, a clip there. We're going to have the newspaper headlines. We're going to montage it up. And then Jack's got a day off. His wife's got plans. He's going to go ride his bike over to Paul Westhead's house. Yeah. We'll play some tennis. You know what, what old white dudes be doing on their <laughs> days off. And we get the fake out where it seems like the car is going to hit him, but it doesn't. Yeah. And then his bike falls apart he gets thrown from the handlebars and he slides on the asphalt i fell off of my fucking couch i knew nothing about what happened with him like i said i'm not i'm trying to keep the second screen away and just watch the story and let it teach me whatever i don't know and literally i slid off my couch that was devastating to watch yeah that was a crazy sad story um Ugh. that i thought it was interesting that their song choice. I don't know if you guys have seen Vanilla Sky. Didn't wasn't crazy about the song choice. Yeah. So I was actually gonna kind of. I have that. seen Vanilla Sky though, but yeah. Yeah. So there's the scene at the end of Vanilla Sky, um, or towards the end where have you have you seen it, Bethany? No, I've never seen it. Okay. It's a lot of movies well, I haven't seen. <laughs> Earmuffs me. Mo- Earmuffs yeah. me. No yeah. spoilers. I don't want to fully spoil it, but one of the scenes towards the end of the movie, they use this song as well. I won't give away what happens okay. in the movie. Uh, I think Kanye spoke about it in one of the songs. A, he, he said yeah, it looks like yeah, Tom Cruise well, uh, in Vanilla Sky. Right? We said, like, Tom yeah. Cruise oh, in Vanilla yeah, Sky. Yeah, 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 it was televised. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they use that song to a similar effect. And so, yeah, I just felt that as soon as I saw it in the show I was like oh I, I know that and then it's like also you know from just a television directing standpoint like it was very like oh this is something's bad is about to happen yeah. <laughs> you know like um but yeah I mean it was, it was a sad part of the story and you know they kind of set that all up through Jack's character he's running the whole time in the show he's got this spirituality towards him he's also like I have to do this right I have to basically accomplish this goal before you know I run out of time and um, you know he, he does he implements the offense into the, the the Lakers you know game plan that would lead them into the future um, and he you know befell this unfortunate tragedy he fell off his bike you know going down the hill and basically has uh, you know permanent brain damage yeah I guess we'll see more about the aftermath of that in the next episode we got a little snippet of Paul Westhead talking to mm-hmm. himself yep. <laughs> when uh, Jerry Jerry West comes in with his uh, fishing gear on. His fly fishing <laughs> suit. Yep, that was quite yeah. a moment. Yeah, um, because that was the whole thing, you know, that I've, I think I may have mentioned before, you know, knowing that Paul Westhead will become the, the, the eventual main coach of the Lakers for the next three uh, years, uh, how they're developing his character. And it's funny how they kind of gave no real allusions to, to this, you know, no real nods but the few winks is just like he's over here alone by himself talking to himself trying to figure it out and now he's gonna be thrust into this role mm-hmm. yeah he's gonna be given the keys to lamborghini mm-hmm. yeah i think tracy Letts did a really tremendous job with with jack mckinney because i cared a lot about him at the end of this episode it's only we've only really had him for two maybe a little more than two episodes right which is pretty impressive and it's Pretty, pretty incredible. All the drama, the real drama that real. they packed into this show. Yeah. In five episodes. Mm-hmm. And it almost blows my mind that no one's tried to do this before. Right. Because yeah. the, the human drama of this story is really good. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the f- we go ahead, Jay. No, I was just going to say, like, the, the other scene, you know, we talked about it earlier. 
of him and Magic, you know, while Magic's in the in the gym, and basically like he's the guy who engineered the relationship between mm-hmm. Kareem and Magic, right? And it's like as much as he was dedicated to this, you know, offense and kind of being a rigid guy, like he also was an emotional catalyst for Magic to go and talk to Kareem and, you know, this bond that's like, you know, one of the greatest duos of all time, sports or anywhere else, like, you know, he was the one that was like giving a little nudge to, you know, basically kind of change the world in that way. And yeah, they packed all of this drama in and most people don't know that this is pretty much how this shit happened. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Maze, like, it's kind of crazy that this story has never been told in any medium. There's no movie. There was no documentary really before, like, you know, to give us this. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, even the Magic and Bird doc definitely did not go into the first year as much yeah. as this show has. You know, like, it, it talked about them playing in college, and it talked about them both going in the league, but then it kind of jumped right into the Lakers-Celtics rivalry and the finals matchups and stuff like that there's there's a lot of meat on the bone <laughs> i mean yeah. this is this is pretty impressive to me i don't know if it got overshadowed because of uh magic having aids or uh michael jordan coming into the league and him and scotty kind of being known as the best duo then the laker kind of ideology switching over to Shaq and kobe you know and showtime almost got lost in the shuffle a little bit but it kind of feels like a mix of all of those things may have been the reasons why this story, you know, got put on the back burner because Magic and Kareem, I mean, Jesus, that's it. You know, like the NBA, like the 80s, it, it, that's what it was all about. This guy who was the greatest center of all time, the greatest scorer of all time, with the greatest point guard of all time, playing on yeah. the same team and demolishing the league game after game with this new style of offense. And it's just so wild, Maze, that this was never made into a... (laughs) Anything. Anything. Yeah. You name it. Yeah. I feel like the theme of this episode uh, just showed different duos kind of gelling and working together to to reach their goals. So we had Mm -hmm. um, Claire and Jeannie coming together to make the forum turn into what it's supposed to. We got Paul and Jack working together. We got Kareem and Magic doing their thing. But what one thing I wanted to ask you guys, what do you feel was going on with Dr. Buss's mom? Why did she not want right. to go to that game? Oh, thanks for bringing that up, B. Yeah, that was a weird little moment. That was a little peek behind the curtain. It seemed like she was off her meds or something. That was yeah. my initial impression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where they kind of introduce uh, when he's making a drink for his mom a few episodes ago. Like, you know, she's she got some things going on. <laughs> you know, he mentions yeah. the, the, that year, whatever year it was, not 1965 or whatever he said to her. So yeah. this seemed to be like, yeah, she was on the other side of that and, and not her, you know, ultra composed self she is when she's keeping the books. Yeah, I'm trying to see what that's all about. We want to see more of that, I'm sure. <laughs> in the um, more times to come. The only duo that did not work well together was Dr. Buzz and his boy, Frank. He, he left the band. <laughs> Frank was ready to go. He was done oh with, <laughs> with Buzz. He was done with his ass. Man. But, I, but that, <laughs> the, the end scene, though, with them was pretty good. I like that scene where they talk about the Comstock building. And uh, Jerry's saying, you know, he cried tears of joy. And then five minutes later, it was just another fucking thing he owned. Um, and, you know, that was just a great thing to think about in terms of the fact that this was not. The Lakers was not. It was the end-all, be-all for him. You know, it was the thing that changed him and changed his mind about owning things and, you know, his outlook on the rest of his life. You know, he, he spent the rest of his life dedicated to this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about what what a part of this made him do that. And then you go to the game and you see Kareem and Magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And Jack Nicholson at a distance cheering in the front row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> My girlfriend so. was like, who's that dude next to Jack Nicholson? Is that Jerry Garcia? I'm like, I don't think Jerry Garcia was going to Laker games, <laughs> but he's a big dude with a big beard. That's all I know. I think it's too early to be uh, 
what's my man? The other like Lakers. Jimmy Goldstein. Uh, I think it's too early to be Jimmy Goldstein. <laughs> yeah. We're on. Yeah. We're on Jimmy Goldstein. Watch for sure. <laughs> yeah, Keep yeah, your definitely. eyes peeled. Yeah, him and Anthony Kiedis, they're going to show up eventually. Yeah, flea, <laughs> Fleas in season three. Watch out for that. Yeah. No, but, for sure. Man, we got, we, got lots, we got lots ahead of us. We got a full season. We got, I'm sure, the return of the Celtics and the hick from French Lick. And yeah. Who only can imagine what other celebrities? We still got Mike Epps coming through at some point, right? Oh, Is yeah. Richard Pryor. That's so we right. Got, we got things to look forward to. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of Showtime, the podcast about the show Winning Time, <laughs> not Showtime, <laughs> on HBO every Sunday night, definitely not on Showtime. No, it's not. For Jason Madison, Bethany Anderson, I'm Anthony Mays, and we'll see you next time. Peace! Peace out.